guys have ever seen Laverne and Shirley? You ever seen that show? Can, can those girls get themselves in a mess? I'm telling you. Uh, how, and how many of you uh, have never heard of Laverne and Shirley? Okay, some of our young people. Uh, how many of you ever watched uh, an episode of I Love Lucy? Do y'all remember on that conveyor belt she's putting that candy in that thing? Man, people can't get themselves in some predicaments, can't they? And then get themselves in some big problems and messes in life. And um, I got to tell you, sometimes when I watch some of those situation comedies, especially those old ones, um, I, I just think about how true to life some of them are. And how we actually, uh, the, the way they get those stories is uh, probably by just um, embellishing on some true stories that have really happened to people. We do get ourselves um, between the proverbial rock and the hard place. And we overextend ourselves. And a lot of times we do that um, physically because we don't discipline our schedules and we overwork ourselves. And... And uh, we try to do more than God ever intended us to do. I remember on one occasion in the Bible, the people, uh, the disciples were trying to hurry Jesus. And Jesus just turned and looked at them and said, are there not 12 hours in a day? And then I, I didn't really know exactly what that meant. And so as you dig into that, you find that what Jesus was saying was, there is enough time in every day to do what you need to do for him gracefully. Our problem is we're trying to do what he wants us to do and what everybody else wants us to do too. Amen, amen, amen. I think we're all caught in that trap a little bit, but um, we overextend physically, and, and we, when we overextend physically, it usually means that we've um, neglected our spiritual life because we're so busy doing good things, we're, we're not doing the best things. So then we get fried emotionally, and we get overextended emotionally, and... Um, when you get away from God, then you get overextended in a lot of other areas you know, in your life, financially and in your marriage and relationships and, and all of that. And I, I, uh, in my counseling sessions when I'm talking to people, I've heard this question a lot of times. I'm going to be real transparent with you all this morning. Um, and this may, this, what I'm about to say may cause you never to come for, to me for counseling again. I don't know. But I have people look over the desk at me and go, Pastor, how in the world I get myself in this? And then I want to look back at them and go, if you only knew what was going on in my life. <laughs> I've almost done that a couple of times when I'm, I thought they might faint or something, you know, because they, they come to me for, for spiritual direction. And, of course, what I try to do in any counseling session is go, let's go to the Bible. Let's look at what God wants not just you to do, but us to do. Amen? And um, the fact is we do get in some amazing situations uh, when we get ourselves into these messes it's usually because we're running it's usually because we're running from God and it may not be that we're running from God you know in just a rebellious way or or an evil way or, or a, a wicked way or or that we've even consciously thought of the fact that I'm just not going to do what God wants me to do but we just get caught up in life we just get caught up in life, and we know that God is out here saying, Hello, I'm still here. I, I still, my call is still on your life. I still need that private time with you. But life is over here going, Hey, buddy, you're going to miss out if you don't get on this train. And, and so we got that tension in our life, and 
we kind of follow after life because, you know, people understand when you go after the things life is demanding of you, but when you go after the things God's demanding of you, people kind of look at you like, what in the world are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Why would you put so much emphasis on that? And so we really relieve ourselves of a little bit of pressure when we just go ahead and do what the world system wants us to do. Am I making sense this morning? <clears throat> so we choose to run. And we actually decide to live our lives outside of God's plan. We begin to ignore his will and we refuse to live by the principles that he's laid out and outlined in his word. And, and when we do that, we're just asking for trouble. And nobody illustrates this better, I don't believe, than Jonah. Now, there are a lot of good illustrations in the Bible of men who run from God, who ran from God. But I don't believe anybody illustrates it better than Jonah. He's that classic example of the guy who made a mess of his life. The good thing about the story of Jonah is that not only does he tell you how to make a mess of your life, he also tells you how to get out of a mess. I'm really happy about that part of the book, aren't you? You know, I'm really thankful to God that he didn't just record the successes of people in the Bible. And I've said that before. I've taught that many times in my 18 years here at Whitley. And uh, I want to say it again. Thank God that those, that those um, failures are in there because it lets us know men fail. How many men fail? All men fail. Uh, maybe it's not to the degree uh, of other failure, but we all stumble, we all fall, we all fail from time to time. But Jonah tells us how uh, he got in this mess, how he fell, but he also tells us how he came back. It's one of those Bible stories that even if you're not a church person, and even if you haven't been coming to church, maybe the, today is, is your first day back, and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to get in church, and and I'm going to get my life right, and I'm going to get straight with God. And, and if that's what you've come here to do today, hallelujah. We're, we're real happy about that. And you can do it right now. You don't have to wait till this sermon's over. You can just go ahead and tell God right now, God, I want you to become Lord of my life. Come in and take your rightful place on this little throne that's inside of me. Because, you know, we can sit a lot of things on that throne. We can put money on that throne, or we can put drugs on that throne, or we can put alcohol on that throne, or we can put sex on that throne, or we can put whatever we want on that throne, power, self-love. We can put whatever we want on that throne, but that throne belongs to Jesus. It's his throne. And the reason that some of you have been so successful in life, but you're still miserable, is because you got the wrong person sitting on the throne in your heart. And when you let Jesus take his rightful place there, you're going to feel a sense of relief. Now, your problems aren't over, and you're going to have struggles in your life even after he takes up his rightful place on the throne of your heart. But you will have a friend who will stick closer to you than any family member. The Bible says even your own brother will not stick with you the way Jesus will stick with you. And so he'll walk with you through these things. But... Jonah's one of those stories, again, that even if you're not a church person, you know little bits and pieces of this. You may not know this whole story, but you know little bits and pieces of it. It's an event that historians are familiar with because in the mind of most historians today, they believe that this story didn't happen or, or they just find it very, very hard to believe that it is actually an event that happened. So I want to talk about that just a little bit. I think it's important in this initial sermon to talk about that. Where as we launch this series today, I want you to know where I am on that. And, and you can be where you are and, and you just work that out with God. But I got to tell you, 
that I believe this was a historical event, not just an allegorical uh, uh, story for us. I believe this actually happened. I like what one preacher said. He said, do I believe a whale swallowed Jonah? He said, I believe the Bible if it said Jonah swallowed the whale. It wouldn't matter to me. He said, I just believe what the Bible says. And i got to be honest with you, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I just believe the Word of God. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about Jonah. And when Jesus talked about Jonah in Matthew 12, he didn't talk about Jonah as an allegory, as a story. Matter of fact, let me just go so far as to say this to you about my perspective. And you choose your own perspective through your intimacy with God. But I believe that even the parables Jesus told were true stories. I don't believe Jesus opened up some fairy tale book or some fable book full of fables. And, and I'm not against that. Uh, there are some movies that have come out recently that, that illustrate uh, by C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien and and they illustrate God and all of that. And I'm fine with that. But I'm just saying that the stories Jesus told, I believe, were actual events. And I believe Jonah was an actual event. And, and uh, whether you are ready to believe that or not, whether you're there in your walk with God or not, that, that is uh, going to get worked out. But what none of us can deny here is that when we read this story, we find ourselves in this story. We find our lives in this story. When you try to run from God, you quickly realize a very basic principle. That while you can run from God, you cannot ever outrun God. You can run from him, but you'll never outrun him. In this series of messages, we're going to examine five stages in the life of Jonah. Five stages in Jonah's life. And those stages, as we go through them, you will recognize more and more. There are four more sermons after today. And you will recognize how those stages in Jonah's life parallel with us. And how we go through those same stages. So let's talk about the first one. Stage one is God's declaration. God declares. In the book of Jonah... The Bible opens up with God making a declaration to Jonah specifically. So let's look at it. In the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, here's the proclamation, here's the declaration. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. So the first stage is when God declares to Jonah basically this. Jonah, I have a purpose for your life. I have a purpose for your life. A specific calling for you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh and speak to those people. Now, there's nothing new about God's declaration here because God has a job, God has a calling, God has a ministry, God has a purpose for every single one of you sitting in this building this morning. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to come across as harsh or hard today, but I want you to get this. You're going to stand in front of God one day 
And he's going to say, what did you do with the ministry I gave you? And you will not be able to say, ministry? What ministry? You have a calling. You have a purpose. You have a ministry. And you will give an account to God for what you did. The Bible clearly teaches that you... And I want you to hear me on this because one of the biggest battles that a lot of people have today is this sense of value. This sense of value. You guys all right? It's good to see y'all this morning. Y'all look tired. Are y'all good? God bless you. One's gone. He's just gone, man. God bless you, brother. May the Lord be with you. (laughs) Hey, listen, I was like that after camp too, man. I was like that after camp too. But, um... We, I know you loved on Jesus earlier this week. You're taking a break. That's fine. But um, you fit in God's scheme. I couldn't let that go. You fit in God's scheme, man. Let me, let, me, let me tell you that whatever God's plan is, whatever God's purpose is in the world, you're a part of it. I mean, just get a hold of that for a minute. Just, just think about that. God has a specific role in what he's trying to do in this world for you to play in that. You are a, on the team. The minute you got saved, the minute you accepted Christ, you were put on the team. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes beyond that and says you enlisted in the military. You became a soldier in God's army. And so that is not a choice. The moment you become a child of God, you are connected to his purpose and his will. There is, there is an agenda. Listen, listen. God has an agenda and you're on it. That's incredible when you think about it. You know, when we think, you remember that uh, sermon we watched in the early service the other week, that the video sermon? Wasn't that awesome? You know, when you think about that, you're reminded of what the psalmist said when he said, who am I that you are mindful of me? I mean, when he did that little golf ball thing, and I'm a speck, I'm an invisible speck because I'm so small. Oh, that's one place I'm small. And um, I'm an invisible speck on that golf ball, and then like some kind of trillions of these golf balls fit in one sun. Is that not incredible? So I understand what David meant when he said, who am I that you're even mindful? Not only is God aware of you, he has a purpose for you. That is amazing. That is amazing. So uh, God's declaration to Jonah was, I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to speak. I want you to go and speak. Go and speak to the people of Nineveh. Now let's talk about Nineveh real quick. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Nineveh was the largest, wealthiest, most influential, most powerful city in the world at that time. The population of Nineveh was about a half a million people. It was on the east bank of the Tigris River. It was about 30 miles across, and it was in what is today modern-day Iraq. And God said to Jonah, I want you to go and speak. And then God said, because I know what's going on in that city. He said, it's come before me. I know what's going on in that city, and here's what God said, and I don't like it. You know, we want to paint this picture of God as some little, you know, sweet little granddaddy God up there in heaven, and 
everything's all right with him and everything's okay and I'm okay and you're okay and we're okay. Can I tell you that the Bible actually lists things God hates? There are some things God don't like. And God said, I looked down on Nineveh and I don't like what I see. And so I'm sure Jonah wouldn't say what Jonah said in the drama this morning. Nuke them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> show them how that atom bomb works, God. I mean, that and thought of it yet, but you have. Use it. I mean, that's really what Jonah thought. Because you've got to understand that these people of Nineveh, ladies and gentlemen, you ought to study this on your own. We'll get into it a little bit in this. But Nineveh, oh my goodness. Um, violence, unbelievable violence from those people to other nations, including the nation of Israel. That's why Jonah was so upset that God wanted him to go. He, you remember in the drama that he said, I would go to Syria and I would go to even speak to the Philistines. We learned about how those Philistines were back in the ark. Y'all remember that series, don't you? And so he said, I'd go there, but Nineveh? I mean, Nineveh had killed babies and, and they went through ritual ceremonies of death and they were merciless and they were ruthless. And you know how you take a fly swatter and, and kill a fly and you kind of like it? <laughs> That's the way they were with humans. That's the way they were with anybody who was not them. Kind of reminds you of modern day, doesn't it? This means when he said, I, I know what's going on in that city. It means, listen, listen. God sees everything. Because there's some of you sitting here this morning and you look around the world and what's going on in the world and, and you're saying, God, did you know that's going on? I, I got to tell y'all, when I study what's going on in, in Zimbabwe, do you read about what's going on in Zimbabwe? Are, are you, are you, you need to know about that so you can pray. And that mock election that just happened there that re-elected this, um, this tyrant who... who uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't care what happens to the people of Zimbabwe. All he cares about, all he cares about is his kingdom and him being wealthy. He doesn't care what happens to the people. And so they, they just wipe people out. They just go into villages and just kill the people. It's, it's one of the most horrible, horrible things that you can even imagine. I'm saying to you today that that's going on in our world right now. That's why we need to care about missions. If you don't care about missions, something's messed up in your walk with God. You've got to care about somebody other than the people who live in your house and who live across the street from you. And you've got to care about more people than the ones who you just go to church with. If you're walking in intimacy with God, you're going to have a passion for the people of the world. Of all color. And I'm saying to you this morning, and I want you to get this. If you don't have it, something's not working right in your walk with God. Because caring about others that you don't know, others of different skin color, different ethnicity, and different religious background, and, and just a whole different life that we would never even understand. It's so alien to us. We, we should have a love for those people. Something's messed up with us if we don't have it. But I'm telling you, God sees everything. God saw the violence 
God saw the injustices that were going on in Nineveh, and God was not blind. He is not blind to anything. There is nothing God does not see. There is nothing God is not aware of. He sees all of the sin in your house and in your community and in your nation and in your world. He sees it all. Now, he loves you. Don't misunderstand me. He loves you. But God sees things he don't like. You need to remember that God not only sees, but God remembers. God declared unto Jonah, I have a job for you to do. But God gives everybody an option. You can accept his call or you can reject it. You can ignore his declaration or you can choose it. But when you choose to run, that's when the trouble begins. When you choose to run, that is when the trouble begins. Because you can run from God. But you can never outrun God. Now there may be somebody sitting here today and you're feeling your Wheaties. And you go, well I got to tell you. I'm running from God and I'm doing pretty good. I mean I kind of got God in my rear view mirror. I, uh, you know, I appreciate him. and I wouldn't ever want to do anything to dishonor him. But um I'm just not ready to sell out to him. And I got to tell you, my bank account looks good, and I know the economy's down, but everything's good for me. And I went to the doctor last week and got my physical, and he said everything looks great. So I got to tell you, preacher, I'm running from God. He's in my rearview mirror, doing pretty good. So unless something changes, I don't see me changing. For many of us running from God started like this. Well, you know, I grew up in church and um, then I hit high school or hit college and I decided when it came to church, see ya. Don't want to do that whole church thing anymore. And so I turned and without a prayer, without even a conscious decision, I said, God, you can stay at home with those church people and all the folks from my childhood because I got a life to live. I got a life to live, Lord. Now, when I was there, I didn't know much about the world, but I got to tell you, God, since I got my license and was able to leave home without mom and dad, I got exposed to a whole lot of stuff I didn't even know was out there, and now I've visited this college campus, and I've checked it out online, and man, there's a whole world waiting for me out there that, that I've never experienced before. So, God, I just got to tell you, man, I got I to gotta go do my thing, and got uh, people to meet, things to do, you know, and Got a future to focus in on. How many times have we seen that happen with young people? How many times have we seen that happen? So intentionally or unintentionally, you just kind of turned your back on God and you've sort of been running. You decided you're going to do things your way. But you know, but from time to time, those of you who are here and you're running from God, you just hear this little voice in your head go, I love you. Still love you, man. Remember me? Maybe somebody gives you a Bible or somebody invites you to church. Maybe that's why you're here today. Somebody just invited you and you just kind of feel that little tap on your shoulder and you think it might be God and 
Then you think, I'm moving too fast, though, and i got to tell you, things are going pretty well. And i got God kind of behind me, and like Jonah, you've just decided you're going to run. You just made a conscious decision. You're going to run from God and do your thing. Now, maybe it's not a holistic running. Maybe it's just not a, a running from God completely, but, but maybe it's just an area of your life. Let's just, you know, when we talk about totally running from God, I'm probably missing the target with most of you. So let's just boil it down to maybe you're pursuing God in some areas but there's some areas where you're not pursuing God. Let me mention three of those areas real quickly. And if you're taking notes, it's kind of down at the bottom of your page. Relationships. Relationships. You've got to be real, real careful about your relationships. If you get hooked up with somebody that's pulling you the wrong way, but you really like them and you really want to be with them, did you know that you can come to church and teach your little class and, and come volunteer and go with Pastor Jimmy to do prison ministry and you can just be all flowing with God and spiritual stuff, but in that one area, you can be running from God in that one area because you're hooked up with the wrong person. But I'm going to tell you, that'll get you. If you stay hooked up to them, it'll get you. And some of you um, guys, you know, you, you love Jesus, you're single, you know, you love Jesus and, and you're looking for the right girl and, and just hadn't happened at church and so you meet this girl who doesn't know the Lord and she's kind of going down a different path than you are, but she is so fine. I mean, she is the cutest thing. So you go to God and you say, hey, God, I am gonna, I'm going to love you and follow you, but God, I just want to let you know, as if he didn't already, that I met this girl, and God, have you seen her? She is one cute thing. So God, I'm going to give you every part of my life, but i got to tell you on this right here, if you don't mind, could you just let me do this one? Because i got to tell you, God... If you can find a cute girl, I can get her saved, but it's hard to find a saved girl who isn't cute and get her cute. I mean, that's hard to do. And so, and so God, if you can just let me have this real cute girl, I'll get her saved, man, I promise. And God goes, but that isn't my will for your life, and that isn't what I want you to do. And, and God doesn't even really have to speak to you in prayer about that, because he's already written in his word how he feels about that. Amen, amen. And so you're running, and you're connected to somebody that's going to pull you down and pull you away. And instead of going to Nineveh like God wants you to, you're going to get on a boat going somewhere else. So you can be surrendered to God in a lot of places in your life, but be running like crazy in one area. So that kind of brings it home, doesn't it? Because we're all sitting here and we're all going, man, I love Jesus. Man, I'm in church this morning. I'm singing, praising God. So here's what I want you to do in this series. Here's what I'm laying out there. Here's what I'm challenging. Listen, listen, listen. Through this series, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, God, where am I running from you? I love you, Lord, and I want to be, be where I ought to be, and I want to have you in top place in my... But God, if there's a place in my life where I'm running and I've just kind of decided to ignore it and not really deal with it, 
I want you to put your finger on that and say, Farrell Hardison, you're a pastor of Whitley Church and, and uh, all that stuff, and you got years in the ministry and got a degree from Bible school and all that business, but I got to tell you something, Farrell Hardison, you're running from me in that area right there. See, pastors, don't, I, I want you to understand, it doesn't matter to me how close to God you are. There can be little areas of your life where you've decided, I'm going to have my way about this now. How about marriage? Maybe in other parts of your life you're fine with God, but your marriage that you, um, you just really want to get out of it because you finally met the right person. And I, I just love talking to people. Because they created this whole spiritual language. And they talk about, you know, I, I locked in too early. That's a new one I just heard. I locked in too early. And then I met the person God really wanted me to have. So we just ignore that nagging little voice. God's saying, stay in, let me help you. And you're saying, no, I'm ready to get out. You know what the word says and you know what God's saying in your heart, but you just want to do it your way, so you run. But did you know you can stay in a marriage and run? Because not only does God say, stay together, but then God says, and here's how you ought to love each other. So you can say, you know, you can be one of those people, you're staunch about the, the legalistic rule, and I'm not saying that's a legalistic rule to stay in a marriage, but I'm just saying you're, you're just really hard about, you know, no separation, no divorce, I've got to stay in this marriage. But you can stay in it and then say, then run in this area, but I'm not going to love her the way Jesus loves the church. Now you talk about a miserable house, that's a miserable house right there. I'm going to stay in this marriage, but I'm not going to love like Jesus said love. I'm going to stay in this marriage, but I'm not going to submit like Jesus said submit. But I didn't divorce. See how, you can, see how running is so subtle? See how quiet you are? And then business or finances is a place we can run. Maybe... Um, Maybe at a time when you were not as strong as you are spiritually, you hooked up with a partner in a business, and that partner's got you doing some shady stuff, or that partner's got you dealing with products or selling products that don't flow with God's word. Amen, amen. And you're feeling that tug on your heart, and God's saying, man, you're running right there. And I appreciate what you do at the church, and I appreciate what you do. And this is God talking right here. I appreciate what you do in giving to the church, and I appreciate all of that. But man, you know that right there is out of place right there in your life, and you're running from me right there. Maybe you aren't sure what God would say about the way you're handling your money, so you don't ask him. I'm not talking about tithes here. The Bible talks about that. The Bible's clear about that. I'm just talking about your whole money. You know, people are amazing creatures. Um, they will let you, you can preach on anything in the world, and they'll just receive it and stuff. You say money, boy, and you can see the hair on the back of there like a pit bull. Stand up. Don't you touch my, bust you up. <laughs> 
I'm telling you, man. It's an amazing thing. You can preach on anything in the world. When you talk about money, it's like, mm. people are like, oh. You know, we're, we're kind of afraid that if we get before God and go, oh, God, I just thank you for this message on Jonah. And God, I want to make sure I'm not running in any area of my life. And so, God, how, how do you really want me to run my business? And do you really even want me to be in this business? And do you really want me to be hooked up with this partner? And God, am I handling my money the way you want me to handle it? We're scared to death to pray that. Because we're afraid God's going to go, no. I haven't been liking it. You know I don't like it. The Bible says he saw what was going on in Nineveh and he didn't like it. Is there something going on in my life, Pharaoh Hardison's life, that God looks down on right now and goes, hey man, you got it together in some places, but I don't like that. I had a... When I was in uh, college, I had a thing happen with my back. I worked at a sporting goods store uh, after school. And one day, I was just moving uh, all this sporting goods stuff. And my back went out on me. And I've never had any back trouble. And I just got, I couldn't move. I mean, I was almost like a, like a crippled person. Y'all going to love this story, so stay with me. When I got to the hospital, that doctor... I said, does it hurt here? And I said, well, not really. And does it hurt here? And I, man, that's not really the spot. That's not really it. And he put this doohickey <laughs> on his hand that sat on the back of his hand and vibrated his hand. And he started at the top of my back and went down. When he hit that spot, I said, here she come riding on my Honda. I tell you, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, man, I about died. I said, uh-huh. I just made all kind of noises. I just. I have found out when it comes to God that if you will go, God, is there somewhere in my life I'm running? He will go, woo. Some of y'all get it together. He, he will put his finger on it. If you're running from God somewhere, I'm telling you, man, if you will look up in this series, in this series of sermons, and you might not be ready to on this first one, but there's four more. And somewhere in this series, you look up and go, all right, all right. Where am I running? God goes, right there. I'm telling you, and you'll... you'll And you know, I got to tell you something. You already know. You already know. But don't we get spiritual? Jesus. If there's anywhere that I'm not with you, just show me. God isn't impressed by our spiritual God goes, as soon as you say amen, I'm going to nail you. Because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Okay, some of us think our, um, some of us think our, our running is unique or our story is unique. 
but we all run for the same reasons. Let's look at those real quickly. Three reasons why we run. They're real quick. Number one, we run because we think we're going to miss out on something good. People run because they think they're going to miss out on a good thing. We think God's going to deprive us of something. Some of you guys won't even say, God, what do you want me to do? Because you think the first thing out of God's mouth is going to be, Africa. (laughs) You know, what do you want me to do, God? Go to Malaysia. But you know what? If he wants you to go there and he speaks at it, he'll give you the desire to be there. I don't know any missionary who goes, i got to go back. Every missionary who comes here, Rollin, can't wait to get back. See, if God puts the call, he'll put the want to. He'll put the want to in there. So we think we're going to miss out on something. We know God's got this great plan and he's got a wonderful will and his word. You know, he wrote this thing called the Bible. But too often we think what God has said and what we want, it's two different things. And we're afraid if we go with God's plan, we're going to miss out on something. You guys ever get caught up in that? I mean, I'm your pastor, and there are just sometimes I see people, and I go, man, I'd love to do that right there. I mean, I've got other pastors who tell me stuff they did, and I go, dude, what are they paying you? Because I know this church is good to me. Like, you in debt. That's what I want to say to them. But do you, ever, do you ever look at stuff and you ever look at people just really, I mean, they're having a great time and they got stuff and, and you wonder, what, are y'all selling drugs? Where are you getting the money to do this stuff? Are, am I the only one? I'm just being transparent here. And then the enemy comes up and goes, you don't get to do anything because you're a Christian. You ever have that little wave come across you every once in a while? Can I just tell you to remember? Can I just tell you to remember that when we get into, when the, after the rapture, we believe in the rapture of the church here, and I'm not going to do a lesson on eschatology, but after the rapture of the church, and after we are in heaven for seven years and the marriage supper of the Lamb and, and all that stuff, we're coming back to this earth and Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem. This isn't a fairy tale. Say, well, I ain't sure I'm into all this. Well, just get right with Jesus. You'll get to experience the whole thing. He's going to rule from Jerusalem, and we're going to live in this earth. And how you will get around is you, you say, I want to be somewhere, and you are there. So you're going to get to go. And I flew this week from Tennessee to North Carolina on Friday, and I'm not lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I could have driven my car here and got here before that airplane got me here. And when I got off that plane, I am not lying, I needed a chiropractor. Honestly, my wife said, what in the world? I said, if you sit in a plane, one of these puddle jumpers, it was miserable. And can I tell you, and I don't know if we got anybody here in the airline industry, but if you are, y'all are messed up. I'm serious. It took nine and a half hours to fly from Tennessee to North Carolina. 
And then when I'm getting off the plane, they're going, buh-bye, 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 buh-bye. Hope you enjoyed your flight. And I'm like, Hell for some people is going to be, get on this plane for eternity. You will fly on this plane. But we run because we think we're going to miss out. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. You're not going to miss out. You're not going to miss out. You, you may look around like that guy in Psalm 73 looked around and saw all these people doing stuff. And he said, I don't understand why the wicked prosper and I, I don't get anything. <laughs> and all that stuff. And the church is full of those people. And, uh, uh, but you just got to look at all that and go, you know what? It may not look so good for me right now. Because I'm building the kingdom, but boy, there is a vacation coming. Amen. 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 All right. Um, and and you got to remember, that's what got Adam and Eve in trouble. They thought they were missing something. You remember what the serpent said? The reason he doesn't want y'all to eat this fruit is because he knows you're going to be just like him. The reason God doesn't want you guys to eat, and first thing, you know, you don't want to ever listen to a snake. I mean, if a snake starts starts talking, ding, ding, ding. It's probably not going to be good advice. So this snake is talking and and he's going, uh, uh, if you'll get what, if you'll eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Listen, listen, listen. If you don't do this, you're going to miss out. That's what the enemy's saying to you all the time. Go miss out. I, well, you can follow God and go to Whitley and do all that God stuff you want to, but boy, you are missing the party, baby. Talk to some of the people who are in the party. They're not having a real good time. Number two, we run because we don't trust Him. We know He's God and we know He's infinite and we know He's everywhere present and we know He's all-powerful and we know He's all-knowing and we know He created the planets and the sun and the stars and He put them all in their orbit, but we're not real sure He knows what He's doing. Isn't that amazing? We still somehow think we're smarter than Him. Third thing, third reason you run. And I'm going to close on this one. But you run because, and this may sound strange, but a lot of people run because they equate the local church and God. And the local church isn't God. And we thank the Lord for Whitley Church, and we thank the Lord for the bridge, and we thank the Lord for what he's doing through the local church called Whitley and the local church called the bridge. But I'm telling you right now, this church cannot save you. This church cannot give you joy. This church cannot, not real joy. This church cannot give you hope. It is not in this church. It is in him. I will fail you. I probably have already failed you. I can surely promise you Pastor Andy's going to fail you. (laughs) Jared's going to fail you. Pastor Jimmy's going to fail you. The deacons. Something, you, if you go to a church long enough, you're going to find something you don't like about it. Sometimes I'm with you. I'm looking at the church going, what are they doing? I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I back off from myself and look at myself and go, what did you just do? 
I let my own self down. You ever let yourself down? Sure. But he will never fail you. And you may be running from God because because you grew up in a church that was irrelevant. It didn't answer any of your questions and they were mean and they were bitter and they were legalistic and, and they beat you up and they beat up your mom and dad and they beat up your grandma and grandpa and anybody that came through. I mean, you know, to join some churches, y'all ever run through one of those lines where everybody's got a stick? Honestly, some churches, it's like you go, I want to be in this church. Well, come here, you know. Churches, will, that's some of the most ruthless, painful, hurtful. I'm sorry to say it. I'm just telling you. i got to preach the truth. You can get ripped up in a church like nowhere else. But God and the church aren't the same. Do not look for the, to the church for what you need. Look to him for what you need. You say, well, what about the ministries in the church? And all of that, every ministry in this church, I pray and hope it's my goal, is pointing you to him. It isn't the ministry. It isn't the pastor. It is him. So if you're running from God because some church hurt you, and now you think in order to run from that hurt that that church put in you, you got to also run from God, I want to tell you that's not true. You can run from that local church all you want to. I would run too. But don't run from God. Don't run from God. There have been surveys done over and over and over, and what they've discovered is this, that people, it's not Jesus they have a problem with its churches because they're imperfect and they're made up, with pe- made up of people. Here's, the pro- here's where you're going to really, really, really mess up. If, if you equate the church and God, you're going to mess up because you're going to think, i got to get away from this place because it hurt me so much. And you may very well need to get away from a hurtful situation, but don't run from God. God loves you. He loves you. And God goes, I ain't got nothing to do with that either. God, God's looking at that same church and go, I ain't been there in 30 years. Amen. <laughs> God, God goes, you're running? God went, I ran a long time ago. I don't want to be in that mess. There a bunch of hurtful, bitter people. Amen, amen. Let's don't be a church like that. And, and don't ever tell people, look at me, look at me, look at me. Say, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. And I'm going to help you, man, and I'm going to pray for you. But look, I'm subject to fail too. Man, we're, let's, all, let's just all look up to him. He'll never fail us. Father, I pray you touch the running people today. See, if you're running from God this morning, i got news for you. The person on your right and the person on your left, they, they're either running too or they have run at some time in their life. So don't feel bad. The person in front of you and behind you, I want you to just think about them. They either have run or they're running or they're going to run. We all have done it, so don't feel bad. Don't feel, we're not trying to beat up on you like we're holy, holy. We've all, I, you know, God's touching some places in my life and saying, Pharaoh, you, you're kind of running from me right there, buddy. But if you're running from God today, will you just come to him now? We used to come to him and you say, God, I'm not running to the church. I'm not running to some pastor. I'm not running to some denomination. Jesus, I'm running to you. I'm running to you, Jesus. 
and I've been beat up and I've been hurt. And the enemy's tried to come in and use that hurt to get me to forsake you, but I'm not going to do it because you didn't hurt me. And you're the only one who can heal my hurt. So I want you to come in and sit down on that throne Pastor was talking about. And I take drugs and alcohol off and I take myself off and I take other people off who I've put on that throne. And Jesus, I want you to come now because you died for me and you were buried and you rose from the dead for me. And I want you to sit on that throne. I give you that throne. Come in and be my Lord, please, sir. Forgive me of my rebellion and sin. And be Lord of my life today. If you've stopped running, if you've made up your mind, you don't know everything it means and you don't know what's going to happen this afternoon or tomorrow, but right now, right now, right now, you've decided you're not going to run. You decided you're going to run, but you're going to run toward Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you just lift your hand and say, I made up my mind, I'm running to God today. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down. I'm running to God. God bless you. God bless you. Father, we thank you for this word today. Let it change us. Let it change us to be like you in Christ's name. And everybody said, God bless you.